Welcome to Artful Conversations, a podcast about arts and cultural management. I'm Anita Latham. And I'm Katrina Ingram. We interview leaders who help shape the world of arts and culture, sharing their stories, insights, and observations. Hello and welcome to Art for Conversations. I'm your host, Anita Latham, and today I'm speaking with Chantal Gauche, the Executive Director of the Citadel Theatre. Chantal, thanks for being here today. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. The Citadel is Edmonton's largest theatre, housing five different theatre spaces, and is based in downtown. Chantal, you've only been in your role since January, so for a short time. How's it going so far? You know what? It's going great. I've got a chance to meet our team, which is a really, really dedicated and passionate team. Got to be part of what is going on with the current season and most importantly, got to be part of planning and the announcement for what we're doing next season. So all really exciting things coming together that I got to be part of uh, landing in my role at a great time. Fantastic. Uh, You're a native Edmontonian and you've been gone for a while. What attracted you back to Edmonton and to this role specifically? It was really a combination of things. Been uh, obviously living in the U.S. for the last eight years, Pittsburgh and Fort Lauderdale, and had great professional experiences there and have had a great experience, you know, in total. But home is home, and it was really important for me to come back to Canada and to really invest in the city that I grew up in. So that has been a plan for a couple of years. And uh, this role came and found me. I wasn't uh, looking for a role at the time. We, we, we had a horizon for a move, and this was a little bit earlier than we had planned. But it came and found me. And when I heard about the transition that the Citadel was in, the plans for the future, where they were envisioning they wanted to be, it was something that really excited me, especially in context of what's happening in the city as a whole. Fantastic. Chantal, your career journey has been quite fascinating. You've gone from a lawyer to a marketer, uh, both in the arts and in the corporate world. Can you speak a bit more about your career and how it shaped your ability to create an evocative marketing well, I think that when I look at what looks like a disparate uh, past, you know, between law, marketing, for-profit, non-profit, everything I've done has been about storytelling, about creating a narrative, yeah. whether it's for, you know, a, a client as a lawyer, or when I started to work in both the for-profit and non-profit world, it was creating a story around a brand, because that is how you are going to connect to either your audience in, in the arts world or your consumer, your customer in the corporate world. So it's really about how do I tell the story in a way that connects with our target audience. Um, what took you from, from lawyer to marketer? I did love being a lawyer for many reasons. It was intellectually challenging. It was certainly lucrative. Um, You get all of the benefits of being, you know, in that career. But it did not feed enough of who I am. Keeping track of your life in six-minute increments (laughs) is dire. It is not fun at all. And there was so much of it that I felt wasn't um, results generated. You weren't going towards that final moment. It was a very long process to see results. And sometimes pragmatic uh, approaches or creative approaches were not particularly rewarded. Right. (laughs) So it, you know, it it was something that I enjoyed. It gave me an incredible basis to be able to understand, obviously, contracts, understand the law, understand obligations and and how things work and uh, take in new information and distill it. But it just wasn't feeding enough of who I am as a, a person. Fantastic. 
In relation to orchestrating a marketing plan in an arts organisation versus a corporation, how does your background in the business world influence your approach to work you're undertaking at the Citadel? Well, a big part of it is seeing what is connecting with audiences and where your challenges are. So finding out your pain points. What are, from a messaging standpoint, what are your pain points? What are people assuming about the Citadel that actually isn't correct? What are we doing that they don't know about? How do we connect that message to an audience? And also the challenge of in the arts in general is how do you serve your existing loyal audience, subscribers, ticket holders, and reach down to that next generation of theater goers? And that's going to be in a much different way. So in a way, you're kind of paddling two boats at, at the same time. Yeah. How do you maintain that relationship with your, your base? And how do you reach down and make sure that that next generation of theater goers know that there's a place for them in your, your programming, in your organization? Fantastic. We'll explore that a little bit later. What I'm really interested in is how do you create a marketing plan in in the what is going to be very busy dialogue of the downtown district area when you've got mm. the RAM, the Art Gallery, the Windsphere, the Citadel. How do you kind of find your voice in that? Well, I think that where the strength is is actually tethering together all of the downtown arts organizations, both the sort of cornerstone organizations that people are more familiar with, whether it be the Windspear or now the, the new location of the RAM, but obviously the, they are well-known, uh, the art gallery, and also the smaller organizations that can come under our umbrellas and be embraced is that we have a there there. We are creating an amazing tipping point of a true arts district that can have a lot of influence on what happens in the downtown. It's And instead of, you know, for example, looking at the, the ICE district and saying, oh, well, this is in total, you know, competition with what we're doing. This is collaboration. This is creating a place where all of those supporting businesses like restaurants and cafes can thrive and yeah. working together to bring people downtown to understand the great things that are going on at the centre of Edmonton. Fantastic. So how do you take risks on bold ideas while still managing the brand of the Citadel? Well, luckily in theatre, we are encouraged to take risks. Yes. Um, certainly when it comes to, you know, very provocative programming and those kinds of things and, and perhaps bringing in multidisciplinary uh, genres and that kind of thing within the building on the stage. But we also have to balance that off with sustainability. So it's when you look at our, our, our programming, we will do an amazing, you know, wonderful, raucous production of Mamma Mia that many, many, many people can relate to and, you know, who doesn't like ABBA, who doesn't want to go sing along. Yes. And that, you know, really is a, an approachable piece that we have a large volume of people coming to see. But then we can turn around and do Children of God, which is about Indigenous issues, which is about yeah. the, the residential schools uh, history in Canada. And it is a beautiful piece, but it tackles a much more difficult and, and controversial uh, topic from a very balanced and artistic way. So you have to do both. Yes. And that's where you really can, can reach different people. And hopefully what happens and what we've seen happen is that when you have that variety, people are exposed to something different that they weren't necessarily looking for. So marketing is an important component in developing a brand. At the Citadel, what are some of the marketing strategies that have been successful? And what are some of the things that you're looking at changing as you're developing things into the future? We've been really good at marketing to our traditional audience, at reaching out to them in a way that they're comfortable with, whether it be direct mail and phone and having that personal connection. 
Where that transformation is going to occur is now moving into the digital realm, moving into connecting with a new audience where they are. So that is going to see us really taking a big jump into social media and much more of an integrated marketing. So instead of just doing billboard placements and bus ads and radio ads and TV and direct mail is looking at full campaigns around the season, around the show in a way that is unexpected, in a way that creates viral interest. We're going to be doing some great things with Silver Arrow at the end of this season and trying new ways to reach people who otherwise aren't in that, you know, aren't in our funnel. And it's a really, really important part around that transformation. And I think our brand transformation has to go with that. We have been probably seen as a very traditional brand. I mean, we've got the benefit of 50 some years of stability as an arts organization, but sometimes if you're not careful that that can be stagnation in terms of your approach. So we're going to mix things up a little bit and we're going to re-envision our brand. What does that citadel mean? Unfortunately, the citadel, the word citadel kind of means fortress. Um, and that is not how we, we, we want to be perceived. We want to be seen as a hub, as a place where other genres, other theater uh, types can come and be in our space, and we can support them and create some synergies from that. Um, and that is really where we're moving to is much more integrated, much more bold, and very much on digital transformation. And that feeds into the concept that I think people are, uh, are challenged globally, and that is audience development. Um, so, you know, most theatres, and the Citadel is one of them, relies on audience attending performance and that and that generating re- revenue, basically, for, from core ticket sales. Um, however, the relationship that you want to build with an audience is usually more and beyond simple ticket sales. Can you explain how the Citadel is going to look at building its audience beyond just seat filling? Absolutely. We are looking at that end-to-end patron experience. Again, it's that that idea of creating that conversation between the audience and the organization. It is not enough to simply sell a ticket, they show up, go to the show, and then they leave. How do we build that conversation prior to them arriving and even buying the ticket? What is that experience in the lobby and in the building like when they arrive before they step into the theater? And how do we continue that conversation beyond the theater? And again, a lot of that plays into digital and into connection that way because, you know, we've got 100,000 people going through our doors in a year. Uh, I'm not going to knock on all of their doors and say, let's have a chat over a cup of tea. That might be a little strange. Uh, But how do we carry on that conversation? And then they become the ambassadors and the influencers that bring people into the building. It's a really, really important part of what we're doing. So that conversation. Also, what is that patron experience? Traditional arts in particular, so whether it be the opera, the ballet, the symphony, the theater, have are facing an issue where it's seen as something that is elite, are facing an issue where young people, students, sort of people in their 20s and 30s may not feel comfortable coming into that space they may feel like they're going to feel out of place that they're not prepared for it is it you know are they dressed appropriately what is it is are they supposed to have very you know um, sophisticated conversation over 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 wine that kind of thing so again it's about how do we reach that next generation let them know that the theater is the place to come. You can come in your jeans. We can. We're yeah. going to create interesting experiences because, again, we've got an experience-driven uh, group of next generation people. I don't want to say millennials. I think it's a millennial mindset. Is that they want the experience. Yeah. They want the the 
backstage access. They want to know more about how that set was built. They want to see how costumes are made. Yeah. I mean, all of that experience. So it's a really broad attack on that whole patron experience. So how do you build your audience through using different programming? Well, very much with our, we've got a wonderful new artistic director who it's, it's just inspiring to work with. And that's a big part of why I was, you know, very much attracted to this role. He, instead of being, you know, there's some people are, are play pickers and some theaters yeah. are that, and that's, that's fine. You know, um, that works for them. He is very much looking to develop a narrative around our vision of being inclusive, of being innovative, of being international. And so when he is building a season, he is looking at things like gender balance. Do we have strong playwrights from both genders? Are we telling stories that previously have not been told? Underrepresented voices of our Indigenous people, of women, of the immigrant story. Um, and, And who has been locked out of the artistic experience? And how do we unlock the door and bring them in? Well, again, balancing out commercial viability of making sure you've got something that's accessible and making sure you have something that is risky. So innovation, inclusive, internationalism, that's the way we can build out a balanced program that brings different audiences in the door. And it is not a short-term investment. You have to have the long view. You don't say, well, we put on this one play and it wasn't a hit, and so now we're never going to do a play like that again. It is very much saying... What was the experience of those people that did come? How are we turning them into our ambassadors for new work, for innovative work, and building on that every season? So it's it's the long view, but I think it's the one that's going to be most successful. Yeah, and um, how do you then look at converting individuals who come to a show into lifetime audience members? And how do you maintain their loyalty and their engagement, especially with you know, what's going to look like a very interesting program. I always uh, liken it to a staircase, is that you have to get people on that first step. And that's coming to one show, whatever show it is, at the Citadel as a single ticket buyer. And we want them to have that awesome experience and, and again, have that conversation where they say, wow, theater maybe is for me. Then it's bringing them back. So creating offers that reduce the risk For them, we're all risk averse and we all like things to be fairly straightforward. So you've come to the Citadel once. How do we invite you back in? It's like inviting you back to our house. You know, I had a great I had a great night at your house. How do we invite you back? And we build that friendship. It's a relationship getting them back. Well, once you've come to two shows in a season, well, now it really makes sense for you to be a choose your own three show subscriber. (laughs) So how do we convert to that and say, we're going to make it really easy and affordable for you to now be part of that family on a three show subscription. Now you're a subscriber and creating events for you to really feel part of that family, inviting you into the building, giving you access to the different spaces and understanding that, you know, we have a wide variety of things reaching out to you and saying, hey, we've got this amazing academy and a great school, so here's another way you can get involved. Here's a way you can get involved in in one of our smaller shows or other things that we're offering. And when you build that relationship, it's done like pearls on a string or like steps on the stairs. All of a sudden, you get people halfway up the staircase, and they're like, well, I may as well carry on and get to the top of the stairs and see what that's about. Some people 
are quite happy being in the middle of that staircase and we love them too. So it's working, you know, you're trying to gradually work people up the staircase and recognize you're always going to have people on every step and that's fine. Fantastic. Now you mentioned before inclusion, innovation and international mm -hmm. are part of the three I's that are listed as the Citadel's vision. Um, and and it's in they're actually in the Citadel's vision statement. Absolutely. Uh, can you talk a bit about what these mean and how they impact the brand? We talked about them in relation to programming, mm -hmm. but them in relation to the brand and and your future development of the brand. Absolutely. Um, and I and I cannot take credit for the three eyes. Those are <laughs> those are the. Um, the, the, the words and the vision of Daryl Cloran, our artistic director, and again, I'm quite happy to ride in, in his boat on that because I think that they're just wonderful ways of identifying how we are going to move forward as an organization. Yes. So it obviously does start with the artistic programming because first and foremost, we're a theater and what we put on the stage has to reflect that. So again, it comes to international programming. So this year we had the collaborative work of Ubuntu. Um, we are working with, again, those... Uh, uh, broad stories that aren't just local, have that international appeal, the international flavor that brings a different viewpoint into our space and into yeah. our city. We've got the uh, innovation. So we're going to be doing a lot of work with digital, with virtual reality, that kind of thing. And and some really bold programming um, next year where, for example, we have The Candidate and the Party, which are two plays written by the same playwright that are going to go on at exactly the same time in two different theaters with exactly the same cast. And you have your audience for one, your audience for the other, and they get a full experience. They're seeing a full play, but knowing that these are interconnected stories with oh, the same cast. Brilliant. I mean, that's pretty innovative. <laughs> yeah, that's um, brilliant. So there's some really cool things going on, on the innovation front. There's some really cool things going on on the international front. And, and in terms of inclusion, it's very much about how do we bring in those voices into that tent of the theater that have not necessarily been included in the tent. So indigenous programming like Children of God or like uh, yeah. Red Patch next year, but also uh, with our work with The Tempest. So we are partnering with the Swedish National Deaf Theater to create a classic play, which is yes. you know part of what we're about. We're using virtual reality and, and augmented reality. Plus half of our, our cast is going to be hearing impaired, half is going to be hearing and how do we create an experience both from an audience perspective and from a production perspective that crosses those boundaries. So from a programming perspective, we're there. My job now is to take Daryl's wonderful vision yes. for programming and how do we reach out from a marketing and brand perspective? So how do we reach out and attract uh, plays and audiences internationally and I think that part of that is our marketing as an arts um, district and right. as a city yeah. to make sure that when people come here they see arts as very much part of why they should be coming to Edmonton. Inclusion, making sure that our team in our building, that our, our corporate sponsors, that our, our board and that who we're hiring and putting at the table as our stakeholders represent a wide variety of views and, and again, underrepresented voices traditionally to make yeah. sure that we're getting their viewpoints as we're building out our brand and our outreach so that we're reaching new Canadians. We're reaching groups that previously have felt locked out of the arts um, right. as, as audience members Yes, doing that. Um, and so very much, you know, on that inclusion side of it is from an, an organization of how do we and who are we marketing to and how are we marketing and who's in the building really right. comes starts right there. Yeah. Um, and then innovation, how do we build out our marketing beyond the traditional things that, that arts have done? And, and arts have, they kind of keep doing what works, which makes sense, but it means that I think that there's a lag if you look at um, 
private enterprise and you look at corporations, they're very much far down the road in terms of, of digital outreach, video outreach. How do we reach people yeah. on social media? How do we do campaigns with augmented reality and create really cool, um, you know, outreaches? Because everybody, as we know, we're all on our phone. Yes. So if I'm not on your phone as the Citadel, I'm not reaching a bunch of people. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to bring the innovation. And my team is working really hard to bring the innovation of how do we reflect what is going on on stage in a way that connects to in that digital age. And and the arts have traditionally not done that because they haven't wanted to show too much, right? Yes, you, know, yeah. you don't want to show snippets of a show. You want people to come to the show. We have to get into a different mindset and say we have to bring people in yeah. and give them a piece of it and they're still going to come. Yeah. We need them to understand why they want to come, why they connect with that story. Yeah. How do you see the Citadel connecting with Canada Council for the Arts brief about uh, in relation to international, as in mm -hmm. not just bringing here, but getting Canadians out into the international Absolutely. arena. Well, I think, uh, we're very early in the days of how can we do that as a regional theatre, but one great example of that was just our production of Hades Town in yeah. November. So we lured, and through the hard work of my predecessor, Penny Rico and, and Daryl Clorin, lured uh, the producers of Hades Town from New York to Edmonton to build out a Broadway-bound show. Nice. So, you know, as, as um, some, you know, some people don't know, some people know, is that when a show is destined for Broadway, they test it elsewhere because there's always going to be tweaking and, and fine-tuning from the score to the script to the set. And how do you do it in a safe place? And we lured them here. They built out this beautiful show. It was a unmitigated success commercially uh, in the city. So people came to see it. But now we have this wonderful story about how the Citadel Theatre was able to do this collaborative effort with their Canadian cast and American cast, create this great show, which is now bound for the U.S. Yeah. Um, and made the New York Times, told the story of Edmonton Theatre and really had people looking at Edmonton and the Citadel in a different way of yeah. saying, we can do that there. And there is some amazing talent. And how do we export that? So it, it's something that we have to be measured about. And we have to uh, be very strategic about and say, how do we pick our wins? You can't throw, you know, resources yeah. at every single thing. Is yes, Where are the best true. chances of success? Because success will breed more success. You know, when you make the New York Times and they say this was a great place to produce a Broadway bound show. That's a really big success. Yes. Now we got to build on that. That's the strategy. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, sometimes as the head of an organisation, you need to deal with public relations issues, the play out in the media. Uh, I'm sure you've had your share of experiences, especially over the some of the past um, jobs that you've had, uh, dealing with challenging situations. I'm wondering if you could share some advice to our future arts leaders on how to manage public relations issues. Well, of course, the only uh, organizations that don't have public relations issues are those that don't deal with the public. So the minute you either have a product to sell or uh, an, a ticket to sell, you are dealing with public. And yeah. there are obviously wide, diverse opinions out in the world uh, about every issue that there is. And it's so much easier now to find yourself in the middle of a public relations issue with social media, how quickly news moves, those kinds of things. So there's, I always look at it, there's kind of two ways you end up in a, in a PR issue. One is something that you know you're making a decision or you're, you're launching a product or you're making an announcement that is going to garner reaction. So yes. you can prepare for those. And you've kind of got a little bit of a runway and a horizon to prepare for those kinds of things, anticipate stakeholder uh, responses and have an answer for that. If at all times, whether you are in a nonprofit, whether you're in for profit, you look at the core of what it is you are doing 
yeah. as an organization, as a business, and you say, are we being true to the core of who we are and what we're doing? And use that as your guiding light. Build your narrative around that because at the end of the day, people may agree or disagree with a decision. They may agree or disagree with how something was handled. But if you've acted and communicated in accordance with what your core mission is, at the very least, you can't argue with that. Say, well, you can You can always have the benefit of hindsight. Say, oh, maybe you would have made a different decision. Maybe you would have handled that differently. But were we acting in accordance with our core mission, with the principles of who we are as a for-profit company, a non-profit company, it will generally steer you ultimately in the right direction. Now, you can't control everything. There's also the other side of it. Uh, when I worked for the airline, we dealt with uh, three hurricanes, um, some airport shootings, <laughs> and... Uh, Probably one of the most challenging ones is we we were dealing with a, a labor issue involving um, our pilots, and there was a situation where a number of flights were like a big number of flights were canceled, resulting in a brawl in the airport. Uh, and nice. that's you know, and so we didn't plan for that. We actually found out about it because of social media, because yeah. of our social listening, and but then we had to work our way out of that. Um, and one of the, no matter whether it's the hurricane, the the, sh- the shootings that we had to deal with, the, the brawls, any PR issue, is to sit back, think about the narrative, explain what is obviously causing the pain points, because sometimes a simple explanation yes. diffuses everything. When you say, you know, everyone's saying, why are my flights canceled? There's a hurricane, but not in my city. And you say, well, 60% of flights were canceled and all the planes are now out of position. And all of our people that fly the planes are now out of position. So it's going to take us, so notwithstanding you're flying from LA to Detroit and there's no hurricane, your plane isn't there and the pilot's in a different city. People get it. Most people are very, very reasonable. You can't play to the fringes. You just can't. You have to play to your core stakeholders and say, here's where we're coming from. Here's our story. Here's you know what we're dealing with and what we're trying to balance. And it diffuses so much when people understand the challenges you're dealing with, what you, all the interests you're trying to balance, sometimes diametrically opposed, and you kind of stick to what your main goal is, which is running your organization in accordance with your key principles. Yeah. So basically, stay in front of the story and stay in front of the dialogue and, and own the dialogue. Yeah. Lean into it. Lean yeah. into it. Uh, because if you can't lean into it, you create a vacuum. Yes. And people will fill it with whatever they think your motivations are. They'll they'll fill it with conspiracy theories. Yes. They'll fill it with, you know, nonsense sometimes. And that's a runaway train that you can never catch. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, what is one defining thing that you think is critical to building a successful audience that will show continued support? You have to listen to them. We often think that when we're producing art, whether it be theatre or music or whatever it is we're producing, that we're a broadcast station. This is a two-way conversation. And when your audience tells you something... And sometimes they vote with their dollars. Sometimes they vote with their feet. Um, you know, sometimes they vote with uh, their their applause. Yes. Is that you have to create opportunities for them to share with you how they feel about their experience. You have to listen, whether it's social media, whether it's their, you know, a lot of people will bother phoning or writing in. Um, they, they're out there sharing their experiences. So where are they? And listen to them and respond. Engage in the conversation. Um, when you change something, when you do something and that they, they question it. Provide them an answer so that they get it. Or at the very least, they feel heard. 
and they will share with you what they love about what you're doing and what excites them. And they will share with you what doesn't resonate. And the more you listen to, the more you get a broad view of what is working or what do you have to change in terms of even your approach. Yeah. You know, if, if, if uh, something's not working, if something that you thought would was going to be very successful is just not connecting, why and how do you get in front of the next? Use that as a learning and say, yes. okay, this, you know, there's a show coming up that we're probably going to have a similar challenge with that is going to be seen as only for a specific group or it's only going to be, it's going to be seen as something that's too heavy for, you know, the average audience member. How do we get in front of that story and share with them why they want to come yeah. in advance and use those learnings? Yeah. So it's a continuous relationship. Absolutely. It's an ongoing conversation. Yeah, which is fantastic. Uh, Can you talk a bit about how the Citadel Theatre approaches fund development? Well, obviously fund development for any arts organization is a challenge. Um, You know, we have over 50% of our our operating costs are covered by our ticket sales. So we're very very lucky that way and we're constantly looking to move that number up um, because it's a, you know, pay what you value for what you value. But we have also been incredibly lucky that we have some strong support from the founding families who decided that the Citadel Theatre needed to happen in Edmonton, which was very bold and innovative, yes. and and have continued to to assist and, and to help us and to make sure that we had a sustainable uh, base. But there's a lot of room in the middle of those things where we have to reach out to the community. We have to reach out and find alignment with corporations who see what we're doing and individuals who see what we're doing and, and are in a position to help us and say, yes, we want to build new work with local playwrights, with Canadian artists, with Canadian set designers. We want to support that because that's a very big investment. So, And also reaching out to our government, you know, agencies and saying, this is what we're doing and how it fits with what you are trying to do. And how do we make sure that that we are tapping into those different, you know, traditional modes of funding. But there's also, you have to get very creative and reach out and think, who are the stakeholders that in this project that would be very interested in this project or interested in what we're doing this season, but we normally wouldn't reach out to. And how do we connect with them and say, we know the theater, you know, maybe is not something you've traditionally supported, but here's a really great thing that we think we're doing that resonates with your customer base or with the work that you're doing as, as a, a company. So it's really like being a bit of a detective Yes, and saying, you know who is who has who has been with us for the long haul, and how do we make sure that they're getting their their needs met in terms of what we're doing is the answer to why they invested us in the first place? How do we take our current base and get them up that staircase of saying, you know, you've you've been supporting us for a long time, and we really would like to do this, but we need some additional support, and and tapping into that, uh, and then finding out new ways to support our work in a way that's mutually beneficial recognizing what yes, those needs yes. are on the other side. You know, it's very easy for us to say, I know what I need. Yeah. <laughs> but how do we tie into what the needs are of our supporters? Are they looking for volunteer opportunities? Are they looking to have a physical space to, you know, meet their needs for different things that they're doing throughout the year? Are they looking for a place to be able to bring their employees or their clients as a, as a recognition and reward and networking? What are all the different things that we can do? And we have to get much more concierge about that as opposed to saying, well, here's package A, here's package B, here's package C, which would you like? Because maybe none of those things appeal. And so they go, well, Citadel's not for us. Well, 
okay, what would work? Yes. What are your needs? And where would you feel that this was a great investment of, of your sort of corporate responsibility dollars and in a way that we can help you achieve some of your other goals that aren't just about helping us. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, so the Citadel's just been awarded $500,000 for funding from the Canada Cultural Spaces Fund to mm-hmm. update some of the facilities. Um, what does that mean for the Citadel and how will it impact on future audiences attending events at the Citadel? Well, is there's, the waterfall going? No, the, the waterfall is... is so far, uh, there to stay. We do have, there's a challenge with our, our building, which is beautiful and in the heart of downtown, is that it's in its 40s. And as we know, when we hit our 40s, yes. maintenance maintenance and repairs are needed. Uh, <laughs> I can personally attest to that. So we've got some things, and this, this grant was specifically for uh, technology and assets going towards programming okay. in the theater space itself. Yes. So uh, we also have to come up with a matching grant for that and to, and to spend an equal amount of our own money in relation to that. There are some things that are not particularly, you know, sexy uh, that we're going to be investing in. Like, for example, all of the fire drapery in our nice. theaters is aged out. So we're replacing that. It is very important. It is very necessary. Yes. It is a safety issue. Um in terms of audience experience, hopefully it will not impact them at all. They will never have to use it. You know, we'll never have to worry about our fire retardant drapery. But that's an expensive investment that we're able yeah. to replace. Things like bringing um, our our catwalks and some of our um, infrastructure up to new codes. Of course, it was to code when we built the building, but yeah. now there's new codes, and we want to make sure that our team and our audience have the safest experience. So safety number one. That's where we're investing first. Again, not super sexy, but important. Yeah. Then. We are going into sound and lighting capabilities and uh, being able to produce very large productions without having to constantly rent equipment or have to downscale what we're showing our audiences because we simply don't have the technology or the equipment uh, heft to produce it in its full glory. We aren't going to have to worry about that anymore. So that is something that audiences can be very excited about. We're also looking at at our accessibility from an audience standpoint. So when we talked about that inclusiveness is making sure that that our – uh, wheelchair accessibility is actually up to current standards and, and, you know, things change over time in terms of what you need to accommodate. We want to change that. Hearing assist, creating um, language services for the hearing impaired so that they can come and enjoy that theatre experience and feel connected. So all of those kinds of things we're investing there. But it also means that we can free up um, funds that were going towards those things to do some much needed repairs and maintenance on the building. Yeah. It won't bring us anywhere close to where we need to be. This is going to be an ongoing uh, challenge that I will be facing and we'll be facing as an organization over yes. the next several years. Yeah. But as far as I know, the waterfall's there to stay. <laughs> That's all right. And and it will, like you say, it will be a challenge and an absolute project management exercise because, uh, you know, we've mentioned earlier there are five theatre spaces in that building. You know, we're not just talking about one space. There are five of them. So to um, update uh, five different spaces uh, so that they work to the best of their ability and what each space should be will will be an interesting challenge for you and the team. Absolutely. And, and we want to work with our stakeholders. We're working with the city, working with other arts organizations that, you know, we think we can become a hub for and become sort of an umbrella organization and bring them into our space to really be collaborative and create a hub for creativity beyond theater in that space. Yeah. Because the more people you can bring under the umbrella, obviously, you're serving more of them, but it gives you more options in terms of what you're doing with your building. 
empty space is an opportunity. Yes. So where will the Citadel be for in the next 50 years? And, and what will that space look like? I don't yet know. That is a story to be revealed. But what's wonderful is there's great conversations happening around where will, the, where will we be? How will we look? How will we operate in the next yeah. 50 years? And how can we be part of that in the most sustainable way? Yeah. And how much of the... How much of the alterations and the changes are you referencing from other theatres that have gone through a similar update? So in terms of how we're using our spaces? Yeah, and you know, because, you know, there are other... The Citadel's not the only one that looks like this around the world. Um, so, you know, when I think about the art Centre in Melbourne, it's a similar... Mm-hmm. It's a big space. Um it, it's got that similar multifaceted spaces inside it. It went through an update phase. You know, is the Citadel kind of going, these guys have done it like this, so we're going to kind of use that as a bit of a model to help guide us through this? Yeah, so we're looking at, you know, it, it, there's always the thing is you've, you've we built up over time with 50-some years of building and meeting the needs. Is Do, do our current facilities meet our needs now. Yeah. Are they the best use of space? Are they right sized? You know, are our theaters the right size for us to uh, make sure that we're getting the the maximum benefit from them? Um, can we use them in a way that's sustainable? You know, even how we're changed how we use the Rice Theater space, which is now the club. Yes. It's a small venue. There's only particular productions you can put in there that make sense uh, financially and create that intimacy. Yet at the same time, it's such a beautiful space. Yes. How do we maximize how we're using that? So certainly taking instruction from other types of theaters, other arts organizations, and looking at theaters that are just building now and how are they doing things differently Uh, because sometimes you know you work very hard to retrofit and redevelop your space but you're not thinking about if I was building it today yes what would I build that would be the perfect thing and how sometimes do I have to let go an idea of yes this was a great idea but it's not serving our needs now and, and leave room for new ideas. So it's a challenge. We're right in the thick of that transformation. Uh, what are we going to do with our space? What does the perfect Citadel space look like? How do we invite others into it and make sure it meets their needs so that we are maximizing every square inch of a building? Yes. Um, and what is the next 50 years going to look like? And I think it's going to look very different than what we've done it now. So how do we build a bridge to that? Yeah. Because that's a, it's a long bridge you have to build yes. sometimes. Yeah. And look, I think it's really exciting. Um, I've had the privilege of talking with the Scottish Opera and they have gone through this process as well and to the point where they've bought some warehouses where they now use those as development spaces. And it's very innovative way of thinking and very kind of left afield but exciting way to do it so I'm looking forward to seeing what you and the team develop Uh, as we're wrapping up our conversation today is there anything else that you'd like to add I'm so excited about what we're doing at the Citadel not just because of the great programming that is happening and I think people are going to be really blown away by the innovation that they're seeing from a programming standpoint that even if you didn't know anything about a play when you walked in, you were going to leave impressed. Uh, the, the the team that our artistic director is putting together to direct and build these productions is really phenomenal, and it makes me just so excited and inspired to be part of it. But I guess probably the best thing, the one thing that I would love everyone to really take to heart is that you need to be part of building the city you want to live in. Yeah. 
And I don't want to live in a city that doesn't have a vibrant art scene. So it's really important to me to make sure that I'm investing and and supporting those organizations. So that would be my my grateful call to action would be when you want to support great theater. And that means supporting playwrights and supporting actors and supporting costume designers and electricians and lighting yes. and all of the people that build those productions. When you buy a ticket, you're supporting them. Yeah. So buy the tickets, come out, see what we're doing, see what every arts organization is doing, and you will be part of building Edmonton as this amazing city that everyone will want to live in. That's wonderful. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's Anita here in the studio with Katrina. That was a great interview with Chantal from the Citadel. Um, amazing having such energy and really understanding of what audience development's all about. Yeah, she sounds like a really fun person to talk to. So I'm a little jealous that you got to interview her. Um, and one of the things I really liked was her example of audience engagement and this idea of the staircase and getting audiences on that first step of the staircase and then inviting them back to re-engage and getting them to be a subscriber, and just kind of moving them along in the relationship. It sounded like she had a really clear sense of how she wanted to bring her customers on this journey. And I thought it was really interesting how she was approaching that. Yeah, very much so. And even in the framework of their mandate, you know, she's using the mandate as a way to approach that kind of stuff and build their audience and not see, she doesn't see the mandate as a separate thing from the audience development. You know, when their mandate's separate, centralised around inclusion, innovation and internationalisation um, and building their programming to reach new audiences, I think it was really clever the way she has used that as the platform to engage the audience and build their audience development. Very interesting. And I thought it was kind of uh, maybe an interesting coincidence that the word citadel actually means fortress. But yeah. she said, I want this to be more like a hub than a fortress. Yeah. And one of the things that spoke to me is just a contrast between something super commercial like Mamma Mia and then uh, also offering Children of God. So it really just gave me an example of the wide range of programming and how it's reaching out to different audience segments. And she also talked about doing something with the Swedish National Deaf Theatre. I believe it was The Tempest reimagined for an audience, half of which are hearing impaired. So you think about all the audience segments in that, how they're reaching new audiences and including underserved communities. I thought it was really quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that really goes back to her, I think, innate belief that uh, audience building an audience is a two-way relationship. It's a relationship with the organisation and the audience. It's not the organisation telling the audience what they want to do. And, you know, when she talks and when you listen to her interview, that's really the you really feel that's the core of what she really believes and how she works. Absolutely. She mentioned the word listening and how important it is that at, at the Citadel, they want to listen to make sure that they're understanding their audiences and, as you say, building that dialogue to have a two-way relationship. Yeah, and I think it's really key when you think about what you're doing with audience development and I think her words are the best ones to finish on that were that you need to be part of building the city that you live in. This show was created by executive producer Annetta Latham, producer Katrina Ingram, technical producer Paul Johnston, research assistant Rael Lockwood, 
theme music by Emily Defour, and cover art by Constanza Pasher. Artful Conversations is a production of McEwen University, all rights reserved. <laughs>